listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great Great nation. A.J. Hoffman in studio. He is the man who's a fan, and he beats the man. I mean, we could say the fan who beats the man, but you're a man too. But the man, that's the bookie, and we don't like the bookie here. And anyone that acts like they do, they don't know bookies too well. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. It's just an absolute fact. You found that to be the case, haven't you? Of course I do, RJ. And it's uh, it's great to be here, as always, on a day where the Chiefs and the Bucks add some veterans with off-field troubles to try and fix their woes. The, the Patriots prepare to face one of the biggest hurdles in the Belichick era, and the St. Louis Cardinals won their 17th straight to clinch a World Series, or a wild card spot, pardon me. What's the Vegas lead, RJ? I want to go with the news in the NFL. These are the two Super Bowl favorites, Tampa Bay and Kansas City. And they both are, you could say, is it desperation? Is it smart? Is it a sign of weakness? Let's get into it. All right, RJ. The Bucks make a play to sure up their secondary. They bring in Richard Sherman. The Chiefs take a flyer on Josh Gordon. Are these moves insurance or are they desperation? Okay. I think it might be something other than insurance, other than desperation. I think that you used the right word with Josh Gordon, flyer. He's on the practice squad. uh, Contract, not a a material amount, not an amount that's going to move any needles. So if the odds are, what is being expended here? Is it the time in practice Okay. Is it kind of worrying about him and staying on the straight, which, you know, he's had trouble with historically? Uh, again, we wish him the best, but that's just an absolute fact. It feels like a, a low risk. It, it almost feels like at the stations, casinos here in Vegas, you get coupons and they, they send out booklets like every quarter. And every three months, you'll get like a. Bet $25 and get $50 of action at Blackjack. So it's like, okay, so I have like a minus 2%, let's say, because I don't know perfect strategy, but I get close, but not perfect. But if I'm getting double, well, that's a pretty good bet. And then I get a buffet and there's a two for one coupon there. So it all works out. This feels like the two for one coupon and the $25 free play at Blackjack of the NFL. That's kind of how it feels to me. And if Josh Gordon works out, great. If he doesn't, it's not like people are going to say, 
I can't believe Kansas City gave another chance. This isn't a guy who's like beat up women his whole life. It's a guy who keeps smoking weed. It's not. A, it's not something that's going to come back on the Chiefs and look really bad. So, so your point is no doubt. It seems like a no downside move here. You uh bet the hard eight for a thousand and you pressed it for two. Did I hit it? Nah, you didn't hit it. But I think this one is more a need. I mean, they are thin at DB right now and in the defensive backfield. And Sherman was a fellow who maybe, as you mentioned, you know, flippantly kind of domestic violence is, I know you didn't mean it that way, but, uh, you know, there's an incident from, what's it been, about eight, six, seven weeks ago? Yeah, charges still pending. He's put in a not guilty plea, but these charges are still out there. By all accounts, and tell me if you agree with this, because sometimes... I don't have the best feel of what the consensus opinion is when it in the sports, you know, Twitter sphere. I guess I, I avoid a lot of that. Is he though? Obviously, he went to Stanford. Smart, right? By definition, if you go to Stanford, you're a smart guy. The he also was a little bit of a clubhouse lawyer, a little bit like saying, "Hey." We deserve this and we deserve that and no practice today. So maybe he rubbed some people, Richard Sherman, the wrong way, but he never seemed like a bad guy. Now, obviously, we've got the, uh, we got the, the uncertainty of the pending legal issue. Now, did, did Tampa go in and make an assessment of that? I don't know. If they did, I'd feel even better about this. But listen, in this country, innocent until proven guilty, and even if you're proven guilty, you, you do your time, you do your uh, fines, whatever it is, and then we, we, left, we leave it in the past. So to me, I don't blame Tampa. I don't feel like that, that Tampa saying, hey, this guy has a case against him. Maybe Tampa shouldn't be involved with him. I don't feel that way. Um, though you could make the case, Deshaun Watson, pending, you're, you, you've spent 10-plus years in Houston up until recently, drive time, ratings leader down there. Which, where do you see is the, the main difference between, obviously, it's the number of complaint, complainants. Uh, what else? Well, it's also the giant contract that's now attached to Deshaun Watson. So if you take Doesn't him that in, make him more likely to want because they're paying him right now, right? They are. But if you if someone were to bring him in, someone other than the Texans were to bring him in, that contract would come along with them. Obviously, with Richard Sherman, it's a low risk situation. They bring him in and they say, okay. If this goes wrong, then we cut him. It's not a it's not a ton of money, but if it's right, I mean Richard Sherman out of out of guys who took at least 200 snaps at cornerback last year was ranked 38th by PFF. I mean that's that's a good guy to to find off. So the we're streets. talking 2020. 2020. All right, yeah. So his grade was a 67. Yep. Okay. So now that's it's interesting. That's below starter level. 70 is starter level. So he's a smidge. So he's a in 20 he was a low level starter. Yes. And you're saying there were 38? He was 38th graded. Well, think about 67 that. 67 ranks 38th out of all the guys who took at least 200 snaps at corner. There's 32 teams, and there's only there's less than 38 
starting level corners out there. Now, I'm just going to do some simple math here. <laughs> well, there's only 31, 31 graded higher than 70. Yeah. So that's bad news for one team who didn't well, get any of it. Well, it's bad news that you need like three cornerbacks at this point, <laughs> which, which might, you know, most teams go three receivers a bunch. Kind of why maybe Denver's undefeated at this point. Deepest cornerbacks in the league. We are straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell with A.J. Hoffman. Now, in 2019, he was elite. All right, 89 on the PFF grades. Now, in 18 through 20, he was with San Francisco. Before that, he was with Seattle. I know because he is involved with PFF, uh, Collinsworth and him, I think either had or have a podcast. I'm not sure if it's still going. But um, they were big supporters of Sherman. And the sense was it was more, not a bidding war, but like it wasn't really an open question. Was he going to get an opportunity? It felt like it was more where and for how much money. And it strikes me that... Uh, Tampa may be getting him at a discount right now because of the, the current situation. And I guess, let me ask you, do you look at it as risk-free? What is the scenario that Richard Sherman bites, comes back to bite Tampa? Because obviously if he fails as a player, the commitment is minor. It's not significant. So... On the legal issues, on the PR front, where do you see the risk? The worst case scenario is Richard Sherman returns to 2019 form, like he plays at an elite level, and then is found guilty of these charges. Well, they still now, rather have him. They still rather have him elite for a, a, you know a couple games, right? Sure, but then you have to make the you have to make the choice. Do we just cut this guy and say we don't want you anymore, even though he's now? Do, do a we have key- any sense, Mackenzie? We have any sense of when the case is going to be adjudicated? Oh, we'll get into that right now. But if, if they have to make a decision, do we keep this guy who's playing at an elite level but has now been found guilty of this or or has to plead to this? Or And then that comes with a whole different, a whole different problem set. You've got people picketing outside your games because this isn't just a marijuana charge. This is a, a, a domestic violence issue. Uh, but then the, the other side could be he doesn't play well, and then it's, a, it's, it's easy to drop him at that point. Let me, you know... <laughs> We don't usually open up the phones. It's very rare. I'm thinking about doing it after the break. Here's, here's what I'm thinking, and I'm not sure that I'm right about this. So what I'm going to say is this is my thoughts. Am I right? I'm not sure. Is To me, when I hear domestic violence, I think about two buckets of things. One is there's a guy beating his wife, you know, effectively. Like, uh, is he beating her every day? Is he beating her when he's mad? Either way, there's fi- there's a physical, you know, uh, assault. A Ray on. Rice situation. Yes, that would be a, 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 a the video of that was yeah. quite severe. And the other bucket is there's a part, you know, there's a a divorce happening, and at some point, the situation becomes overwhelming emotionally, and the guy doesn't. Again, if you hit, I don't care what the excuse is, and I'm sincere about. It. I got a sister, you know, a wife. Is is if you hit some, if you hit a woman, you know, it, it just is wrong. I mean, I, I'm not sure what the scenario is that would make that right in any case. So. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, and from what I read on this, and maybe I missed something, there was none of that, 
right? That he wasn't a f- any blows. Does not sound that way. It, it sounded like there was a situation. And again, this is from what I've read that he's upset. He kicks a door in because he's locked out of something, you know, or I guess it was at the in-laws, right? And and it was like, hey, I want to talk to you. No, listen, that's wrong. And there's got to be a, but to me, that is different. That meaning that's wrong, but the, the physically assaulting is levels above that to me. Now, what I'm afraid of and what I don't want to do is in any way minimize that. But I, you know, it's just like we can say, if you assault someone, it's bad. If you murder someone, it's worse. I mean, there are levels to this. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, let's get into the game. It's a seven-point favor for, obviously, the Bucks. Home dog, only two. Now, listen, it's actually been two other times, and they were both last year that the Pats were plus seven. This line, if I had to make a bet, goes up. And I would say over a 50% chance it gets a seven and a half. McKenzie, maybe you can pull the the splits, the, but I can't imagine. I don't know that any big bets are going to come in on New England. Well, I think the big bets come in on New England probably at, at the end. But I, I'm saying I don't think any have come in yet. I think they're waiting for that first one to come through. And, and that's Ooh. the thing when you have such public – and you got those splits? 98% of the cash, 96% of the tickets currently on the road favorite, the Buccaneers. 98%. I mean, that means, let me, hold on, let me do the math. That means only one out of $50 is being bet on the Patriots. But I'm thinking, I'm probably playing the Pats at seven and a half. So I'm not playing now, though, because with a 98 to two ratio, the line probably goes up. This line, I mean, the look-ahead line in the summer, and obviously New England's disappointed a little bit. Um, I'm not sure. If they would have beaten, I mean, one game, a disappointment. If they would have beaten New Orleans, it would have been, yep, this is what we expected. So let's call it a point, point and a half downgrade maybe. Um, The summer line, McKenzie? Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Okay, so we're talking about a three and a half point move, and it's hard to imagine that Tampa – has been upgraded this year. They didn't cover against Dallas. They won. Tampa was up by three only late against Atlanta. And then they got dominated by the rent. Dominated. So how do you upgrade Tampa? I think at minimum, they're downgraded a point, probably. So if you got New England down even two points, and that's, I think, extreme from the start of the season till now... Because the first game against the Jets, they dominated, or I'm sorry, the first game against Miami, they dominated and they lost the game, though, multiple fumbles. And, but no one I knew downgraded them from that. The Jets game was impressive. It was the Jets, but it was impressive. So half point upgrade. And maybe you say a point and a half for New Orleans because it was so disappointing. But that's a net point down. Tampa's at least a point down, right? They have to be. So now, if the if relatively these are the same teams, but you're getting three and a half more points than you did a couple weeks ago, that's the definition of value. 
I'm guessing you don't want any part. You you don't like those ugly dogs. I I don't like this ugly dog for sure. And a lot of it is just a matchup based thing. Like the way that Tampa's been exposed this year is teams have been able to throw the ball around on him. Matt Stafford threw the ball around on him. Dak Prescott did. This Mac Jones, I don't know that he's got the ability to do it. I don't know that the Patriots have the ability to beat the Bucks the way that these pass often or pass happy teams have done so far. You're saying the vulnerability is in the defensive backfield. Does Mac Jones have the ability to exploit it? Exactly. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that, but also the second biggest game of the NFL weekend. First, though, let's see what's trending. And for that, let's go to the Fox Sports Studios with Dan Beyer. Guys, Jay Glazer tweeted this a little bit earlier today. The NFL insider saying to keep your eye on this situation in reference to his report that maybe the Texans were softening their stance in trading quarterback Deshaun Watson. We continue to keep our eye on this situation. Bears quarterback Andy Dalton Limited in practice today with the bone bruise in his knee. Rookie quarterback Justin Fields was a full participant in practice despite his thumb injury. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook was a limited participant in practice with the ankle injury that forced him to miss their Week 3 win over Seattle. You guys were just talking Patriots. Running back James White expected to miss the rest of the season with his hip injury. Week 4 starts tomorrow with the Bengals and Jaguars. Cincinnati will be without wide receiver T. Higgins. He's been ruled out of the game because of his shoulder injury. Free agent corner Richard Sherman signing a one-year deal with the Buccaneers earlier today. And the Chicago Bears did purchase a race course in Arlington Heights, Illinois, which could be the site of a future stadium for the team. NBA players who miss games because of COVID protocols in specific markets won't be paid for those games, according to a message from the league. And finally, Brewers reliever Devin Williams could miss the entire postseason with a fractured hand that requires surgery. Williams said he drank a bit too much during the team's NL celebration and afterwards got a little bit angry and punched a wall. Fracturing his hand, GM David Stern says there is an outside chance Williams could be available to the team if they make the World Series. Williams was the 2020 NL Rookie of the Year. Back to RJ and AJ in Vegas. All right, I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. We got AJ Hoffman with us. Now, what is the next biggest game this weekend, obviously the biggest game of the year in the regular season, maybe the biggest game in memory, this New England. Now, it, it, maybe let me ask you this question, AJ. Has it lost luster? Has it lost luster, the New England game, off of New England just not looking good? For me, a little bit it has. I think it's lost luster because of that. I think it lost some luster. I mean, with the Patriots being one and two, but I think also the Bucks losing made it lose a little bit of luster. Like See, the Bucks, if anything, that kind of makes it feel like it could be more competitive because if the Bucks lose again, now they're you know two and two. It, 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 almost, I mean, at that point, they're big underdogs to get the number one seed. If both these teams were two and one. I think there'd be real intrigue yeah. because the, the the so the New England loss the New England loss that's pro- that probably being last is the and it being last week and it being so disappointing yeah. yeah I agree now here's the question or if New England had won that first game that which they could have easily won against Miami yeah. maybe their whole perspective is different too or, or but the the one and two does sort of make it go oh, this is really one of the games of the week the one and two Pats what I would say is this if you like New England bet them now. Or check that. If you like Tampa, usually New England's the favorite. If you like Tampa, bet them now. If you like New England, wait. Now, you can never be 100% sure, but 
I'm pretty damn sure it's going up. <laughs> now, here's the question. We got three undefeated teams that are getting their stiffest test, I think, to date so far. Arizona, four-and-a-half-point underdog at the Rams. You've got Carolina, and Carolina is at home favored by five. Is that right? No, they're five-point dogs to yeah, Dallas. that's what I thought. So what am I looking at there? Huh, Dallas. Well, oh, you know, actually, I'm looking at the Dallas side. That was my fault. It's a different format. Yeah, I thought they were on the road. Carolina, a five point underdog, right, at Dallas. And then you've got the Raiders undefeated at the Chargers. And in this case, three and a half point dogs for the Raiders. So, Broncos also. Three, oh, so, facing their first uh, real test. Okay, they're favored though. But yeah. you're, but you're right. That is an undefeated team that's favored what by one right now. But that is their first, you know, big test for sure. Now you're a skeptic of Denver. Is that still the case? Yes. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. RJ Bell, we are straight out of Vegas. And let's start with the the big games of the week, RJ. Some undefeated teams taking on their toughest test to date. Well, no doubt about it. We got Arizona, we got Dallas and Carolina, Arizona and the Rams. We've got Denver, who's the smallest of favorites, but still tough game against Baltimore, and we got the Raiders Monday night against the Chargers. Let's start, though, with Arizona at the Rams. Rams off the big Tampa win, obviously. Line is four and a half. Now, listen, it opened up at six. There was a lot of excitement after dominating the Bucks Sunday night. Last Sunday, it opens up Rams six, and it's been a lot of Arizona money. You've got some stats on Kyler Murray. Doesn't look good for him this week. Yeah, in the four games Kyler's faced the Rams, he's averaged 187 passing yards. He's thrown one more touchdown than interception. He's been sacked 11 times and rushed for only 11 yards per game. That's 30 yards below his average. So he averages like 41 yards a game rushing. He's had 11 against the Rams. In those four games, his QBRs are 31, 12, 53, and 38. Okay, so 53 is just about average. It used to be 50s average, but as quarterback play has increased uh, or gotten better, improved, 53 is about average. So he had one average game. 38 is about like 30th in the league if you do that for a season. 31 is going to be last or worse in the league. And 12 is like one, probably one of the five or seven worst games of the year. 12 is like what Jalen Hurts did on Monday night. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you want to say it that way, that's fine. I don't want to you know, be critical, but he did cost me. So, yes, exactly. But I believe – now, here's what causes me a little pause. And let's turn to McKenzie Rivers, pregame.com research. 
He is an aficionado of the Shanahan system, which is a variation of what the Rams have run. Now, before Staley came on board last year, the Rams ran a complete different system on defense. Is that correct? Yes, under Wade Phillips, they did run a different system. Yeah, and they got rid of Wade because they wanted to change into a more modern or you know more Staley-like approach. Who remember who was a young? Yeah, he was a young coordinator. It was the first time he had ever been coordinator was last year with the Rams. Now he's a head coach already, Staley. But I wonder if you have the Wade Phillips system, and then you have the Staley system, and now you have Raheem Morris doing a variation of the Staley system. Do we have enough continuity to say, hey, this, these four games over, I guess this would be over two years, so Wade Phillips wouldn't matter now that we think about it. So this would be Staley and Staley light. But I guess not, no. Cause, no, because it would have been the last yeah, so year. Last year would have been two games. Year before would have been two. That was Wade Phillips. So yeah, we did split this up. Man, my first, trust your first instinct. I, I think it causes me to pause a little bit on overreacting to this. What about you? Uh, it doesn't me because here's some more numbers on the coaches. McVay, 3-0-1 ATS against Kingsbury. Average margin of 14 per game. And if 14 you, points against ATS? Or? 14 points. They covered by 14 oh, points. Okay. And if you go back even further, like to the McVay era only, they're 8-0 straight up, 7-0-1 against the spread, an average margin of 16 points per game. A.J. Hoffman with some good numbers there. What I'll say is this. This is what makes gambling so fascinating. If all you could do, if all you had to do was say, Rams look good, they're going to be expensive, fade, eh, it'd be easy. It'd get boring. All the money would get boring. But no, the line in the fade went from six to four and a half. So now it's like, do I want to fade? Is there really a premium on them? And oh, by the way, this Rams team looked great. Maybe they look better than they really are, but they're really good. And they dominate Arizona. So what do you do? I thought the fascinating was the, the thing was that the summer line was four and a half. And then when it world opened at six and immediately got hammered right back down to four and a half. That Yeah, though, you know, uh, on two it opened six, stayed six Monday and, and Tuesday got hit down. So, yeah, it got hit quick, no doubt, but not the immediate. Uh, oftentimes, the world opener gets hit that very night. This one, the sharp said no. But what happens oftentimes is on Mondays and Tuesdays, you get the big syndicates that get involved. Now, Thursday's another day that more syndicates get involved than game day. So, so really, these are the days of demarcation. Um, Monday morning is when everyone opens. Overnight Sunday, everyone's not open. So a lot of wise guys will wait till Monday. The biggest batters wait till Monday. Then on Thursday, many places increase their limits again. And then on game day, it's dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. So amongst the three other games, we are straight out of Vegas. Um, The Carolina, the Denver, and the Raiders, which one do you have the strongest take on? It's probably Carolina. I think Carolina. Right, give me a little bit on that. Carolina's defensive numbers are boosted by the fact that they've played two rookie quarterbacks, and they run a terribly slow offense. So they just keep the they keep the tempo down, so the other team doesn't have a chance to run offense. Are they going to be able to do that against the Dallas Cowboys? Because the Cowboys are going to score their points. And remember, there's Sam Darnold. 
That's right. All right. If you're dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. The thing about Carolina is, and this is a, a very advanced concept, but it's a very important one. Most teams don't throw as much as they should. If you look at Kansas City, if you look at Buffalo, these are very modern teams with their schemes, and they throw a lot more than anyone ever envisioned even a couple years ago, five years ago. That is the most efficient way to play in the NFL. That's the consensus belief. So when you lose a key running back like Carolina has with McCaffrey, you might think, oh my God, downgrade, downgrade. What ends up happening is it ends up forcing the team to throw more and because they got to give a lot of runs to McCaffrey because he is such a star that it can sometimes not hurt as much as you think. So as much as I think McCaffrey's a great back, Darnold throwing more, it's going to be interesting. It may help. It may not. Stay tuned. 